This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and we're back for part two of Unsolicited Career Advice, Lachlan Bradford and Rob Hicks. Today's episode, we're answering some questions from listeners. We're giving a twist on it that they may not expect. So I guess it's kind of solicited, but for many people listening, it might feel unsolicited. Take of that what you will. Lachlan Bradford and Rob Hicks are from Funny Business Podcast. They're good friends of the show and they're just the best. You're going to love it. Let's do it. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson and I'm joined again by Lachlan Bradford. Hey, Locke. Hello. And Rob Hicks. Hey. Hey, Shell. <laughs> really awkward. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's part two. It's part two, baby. It's part two. Stop saying baby. <laughs> I love it. So today, unsolicited career advice part two. And we are going through a bunch of listener questions that were sent through on the Facebook community. But before we do, we have a cool announcement. We're doing a collab, Funny Business and Bold Side. Rob, take it away. I'll take it away. <laughs> we're we're going to be running a, a couple of workshops called uh, Culture and Clarity. So if you want to align your teams and make sure that people know what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and how it fits into the bigger picture, and if you want to get your culture sorted so that you're going to hit the ground running and get the most out of your people, get in touch because we're excited to do some good things. Um, ever since we started hanging out and doing and talking and chatting and meeting through the pods, we realized we're playing in the same sort of space. So we're really excited and pumped to be teaming up to do some cool stuff together and looking for the right type of companies who want to have a bit of fun in their workplace, but also make sure they're going to get some shit done. Love it. So we'll have a link in the show notes. You can find out more about how to get in touch with this. All right. I'm going to just hit you with the questions. Either one of you can jump in. Okay. Number one, Josh. Josh is a frequent question asker and he has the best questions actually. So he has asked, Advice on how to slow down and avoid burning out, i.e. tips to approach career growth and success in a way that won't lead to a full head of grey hair by the time you're 30. I think you've got to experience burnout to see how far you can push it. (laughs) So go as hard as you can and then you go, well, that's the limit and I won't do that again. It's like stepping over the line. Is that good advice or is that bad advice? I had grey hairs at 21 and by 30 I had a good amount of grey hairs on the side of us. So maybe not the best person to to comment on this question. Silver fox, that's what we call that. Neither of you want to comment on this question? Have either of you experienced burnout? Uh, I have. Yeah. I have. My whole life's burnout. (laughs) I'm always jaded and tired. (laughs) And emotionally detached. Yeah, I feel like I've been in burnout for two years, I reckon. (laughs) I think it's tricky. If you really want something, it's a funny way of putting it, but the truth is it's like if you set yourself goals and you're trying to like, you are a career-driven person or you have ambition to be 
more than what you're doing now or like it's a hard I think it's a really hard thing to weigh up of like the living in the now and enjoying the present versus always feeling like you'll be happier if you get to the next thing or you the pressure will be off or you'll be able to achieve what it is and that'll be good. If you, you know? want to escape parts of your life, just work harder. You know? <laughs> Bury yourself in the work. <laughs> I um have I told you I went through like a burnout I had to have three months off work and I could not get out of bed. Really? It was really rough. It you was found bad. your limit. I found my limit, exactly. And I, I've talked about it a little bit on the pod, but it was probably the worst three months of my life, I reckon. Like it was so rough. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I'll ever be able to work again. Like I was so not well. And, and I have those tendencies like workaholism and very driven person. And I think what happened was I just didn't listen to my body. Like I reckon there were signals way earlier. And my whole thing now about when I think about burnout, burnout isn't like a suddenly moment. And a lot of people throw burnout around like I'm burnt out. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just tired. Like you're not burnt out. Like burnout is a full-on hectic experience. And if you've, if you've been through it, you know it's quite debilitating. And I reckon it's more of a slow burn. So it's, it happens over, I think, years it can be in the making. And that's why when people talk about burnout now, I don't know that we've got a really clear definition on what it actually is, but it's not just tiredness or fatigue. I think it's way more than that in my opinion. It's, it's that feeling of I don't just need like a weekend off or a week off. Like I need uh, time to fully recover. Like my body is like has been telling me for ages, hey, something's not right. And I've just ignored it for so long and now all of a sudden I've hit the wall and can't get out of bed. Physiological symptoms are some of my like things when I'm looking for and going realising I'm maybe burning the candle at both ends a little bit. If I'm not sleeping well or if I'm having like I'm waking up with the sweats or I've got anxiety before going to bed or I'm having like I can really notice the difference between if I'm in a good mental space or not, usually to do with stress or even with what we're doing, it's hard not to feel the anxiety of adrenaline that comes throughout. Like if you have a cool day and yet like you're doing, you've been busy and things are happening, you don't really like, it's, if you can't, if you don't sort of lower that down a little bit each day, like you got, if you had that pump through your, your body all the time, it's like you can really start feeling a bit, a bit weird. And you're saying you come off an hour's sleep doing this because before this episode, like... That's totally an outlier now. Like I have heaps more discipline practices as a result of that experience. Like I sleep heaps more. I don't work as late at night. I still work a lot, I think, but I've gotten more discipline because I know I can't... Now that I run my own business, I'm like, I can't have that. Like I was an employee at the time. My work were amazing. They really supported me. They got me like a really good like mentor that helped me through that terrible process. But... Now I look back, I'm like, there's no physical way I could go back, I could have that happen again because when you have kids and you, it, you just can't afford to, or even if you don't have kids, most people can't afford to have three months off. Oh, no, 100%. My, my sister has this, she actually was pretty sick growing up and, and through her teenage, she had chronic fatigue and I had, um, thinking about like energy in, energy out, I had a really, my mum explained it to me to try and ex- understand what she was going through and she just, simple as, hey, I've got 10 marbles in my pocket, think of that as my daily energy and if I choose to go out and spend, go out and see my friends, I might choose, give you five marbles for the day but it doesn't mean that I'm going to start the next day with 10. It might mean that it takes time for your energy to recharge and learning what is your in and out and we have a question on our pod that we've asked the whole time of like what do you do to get some energy back in your life and I think that's such a 
an interesting thing where people now, like everyone's so like in that work dominated, career dominated, like thinking and pausing about what gives you energy in your life and what makes you happy, what fills your cup up a little bit and uh, it's... You know, I reckon it's been the most common theme on our podcast is with guest episodes, like burnout. I feel like 95% of the people who have interviewed or had a chat with on our pod have experienced some form of burnout before and and that's what we keep saying. That's why I, I have the tussle in my head all the time. It's like, do you have to go through that to to get to that result that you want or do you have to... So I'm constantly thinking about that personally myself. I wonder as well, like... I know that a lot of research around burnout talks about high achievers burnout and like the people that you're interviewing, like really successful entrepreneurs on your podcast, Funny Business, they're the types of people that burn out. Like I think that to me suggests, well... Set lower goals. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Four-day work weeks. <laughs> Four-day Four work weeks. The other thing I'm really interested in in the last 10 years because like the World Health Organisation have only recently released burnout as a um, condition and they're now acknowledging that this is a health condition that people go through. I'm wondering as well if the rise of dual income families have made that more common because like when I was growing up, I don't know what it was like for you guys, it might have been totally different, but my mum didn't work, my dad worked and there was more margin in family dynamics where someone had more space, whereas now I think most people have full-time job both partners have full-time jobs they might have kids and so there's no space like there's no and cost of living going up like I just wonder how all these things have led to this crisis of more people talking about burnout oh 100 percent uh I never knew my mum having a job growing up but she works now but like before that she was working all different types of jobs but I remember her being home all the time pretty much you know so always having that support and always people around, you know, like our house is very social, you know, so having people around all the time, that was cool. I forgot what I was talking about. What are we talking about? Burnout. Well, my, my mum was a bit the same. She was a teacher by trade and so I think she went back full-time work maybe when I was like seven or eight but or part-time after that. But again, like, yeah, dad worked. Mum was home, did different stuff. And now I think that now like my partner, Em, she's just gone to work for the first time since having a kid and just like that's a big jump in itself and trying to learn and juggle and balance all the things plus work never stops. It's, I think it's a weird, the whole burnout and the state of the world at the moment, I think there's a lot of people feeling the pinch. Any advice when you say energy in, energy out, any advice on how you guys re-energize? For me personally, I like going for daily walks. I've been doing it since I was like maybe a kid, like maybe a kid, a kid, definitely a kid. I was about 11, 12, <laughs> I reckon. Doing the daily walk for an hour, listening to music, exercise, I'm not... Now that I think about it now, I haven't gone for a walk in ages, listening to music, and that's why I've been so flat maybe lately because I haven't gone out and done that and I've been aware of it, just moved into a new place and it's construction and shit everywhere. So it's not beautiful Torquay like it was. It's a little bit different. But for me, it's just about space like we've spoken about before. It's like I need time to think. If I can blank out like three hours in a, in a work week or whatever to just think about something, that actually helps me What about so your baths? Much. Yeah, I do like baths, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We want to mention it again. I mention it on every pot, I reckon. I do but, love but a bath. When someone talks about energy in, energy out, you're, I've never heard of an adult male take as many baths as you. Sometimes two in a day, especially when I'm highly stressed. Two I'm like, you know what, I'm going to derobe. He's Dead working set. from the bath. He's got the lappy in there. Dead set. Yeah. No bubbles, just still, yeah? No bubbles. You can see everything. Huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> I go in there till everything's wrinkled and it's like not even hot. 
I'm just sitting there in a cold bath. All that's jaded like my, and sad. That's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> the floaties on. <laughs> but I guess we all re-energize in different ways. What about Rob? you, Rob? <laughs> Are you uh, a two-bath a day person? No, nah, I'm not a two-times two, two bath a day. <laughs> I was disconnecting from socials. I, I like getting out and going surfing or I've been getting back into exercise a little bit and just finding – I think it's now that I've now a dad, it's like I didn't realize how much I needed just 45 minutes and getting a sweat up actually helps mm. to clear the brain a little bit. Yeah. But you love watching Coco Melon. That Coco, oh gosh, I used to watch way more TV. And yeah, I, like, I miss watching TV. I still watch it at night, but I feel like my thing that I used to do to get energy back was like I'd just pump through a whole season of something like, like in yeah. one sitting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, was, I need to chill out. I watch six hours of TV back to back. And wow. now it doesn't really. You love, he loved TV. You used to <laughs> I love TV. When we lived together, you'd be in your room on the weekends just watching TV. Just chilling watching TV. Yeah. It's the best. Door shut, candles on. It was weird. <laughs> By himself. We had paper thin walls. So I could hear lock next door in the bar. <laughs> Twice a day. I think it's really interesting with energy management as well, how you, sometimes the things that give you energy, you have a resistance to. So like for me, I know I, I like going on daily walks, but sometimes there's like a level of resistance to even just getting there. And I know it's like a good thing for me to do. I know I feel heaps better afterwards. It's like exercise as well, that whole dynamic of you do feel better, but it takes a certain level of energy to even do the thing that's going to give you energy, which is kind of weird. It's like annoying that it's like. Psyching yourself into it to be like, oh, we have to, we have to do it today. Yeah. I'm a real sucker. Like sometimes I'll be, I, I can get really into something for a while. So if it is exercise or I've had stints at doing golf or whatever. You're very yo-yo. Like, I'm like, and I'll yeah. do it and I'll be smashing it. You know I mean? Like I want to be, if I'm if doing, you're doing golf, something, you do it. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. But if, if I decide that today I don't want to do it, I can easily go from doing a three-month stint of like every single day of doing it and then I'll be like, oh, I'm not doing it today. And then like. You can like, justify it in your mind. And I'll never do it again. You know, like, and I'm like, oh, I like doing that. Why did I stop? No reason, just it fell out of the routine. Habit. The habit disappeared and I could lose a habit in a day. <laughs> it's the worst. You know what? Di- the discipline of doing like daily habits like walking. I keep thinking about the baths. I just like... need to remember to drink water, go for a walk, see some sun. Well, you should do, do that tomorrow. I mean, it is freezing at the moment down here in Melbourne. Okay, next question. Lachlan has asked, best resources for information and any hints or tips to be efficient from the beginning? That was actually me. I sent in that question. <laughs> yeah, that, Lachlan's like teeing this up. Rob, come on. You got this one? No, you go. I want to hear what you have to say. No, I want to hear what you got to say. Come on. Uh, all right. I would say start with if building a strong team around you. So it doesn't have to be a team. As in, If you're a sole trader, find the people that you trust. So small business, get a good accountant, find some people that – not mentory type people, but someone who might have been there, done that before in your industry or outside your industry. Focus heavily on, on relationships, especially if you're a sole trader, like relationships are going to be a key to winning new work, retaining clients. And I'd say don't try and grow too quick. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting one. Can you tell me more? I think sometimes people get stuck, especially in startups of like starting something new, like I want a thousand clients. You know, well, do you need a thousand clients? Can you service a thousand clients? Do you know what it would take to or get fifty good ones in that area, and you don't need a thousand? Or if you scale it right back, it might be five. You know what I mean? Like if you're a sole trader and you, you, I don't know, you're mowing lawns or doing something, you're like, all right, well, how many lawns do I need to live a happy life? How many do I need before I need to hire someone else? Like, think about some of the steps that would be that would help you in your actual growth of the business, and then 
I don't know. I feel like it's unrealistic. Reputation's everything, I think. With unrealistic stuff like expectations. That. Yeah. Unrealistic expectations. Don't you have to put them on? You don't have to have that. It's already hard enough running your own business. So strap in for the highs and the lows, yeah, like you mentioned up. in the last episode. But I think it's realistic expectations. I like that. Yeah, concur. Touche. That's, a, that's all you got? That's what, that's what you bring to the table? Well, I just think. <laughs> what, about brand, what about brand marketing? Uh, any, any got any strengths? What do you got? I just think YouTube. YouTube, do our workshop and you'll find out all the all the answers. But honestly, there's the, the internet exists now. So. Honestly, research, do your own thing and, and figure it out because I feel like that, that is life, isn't it? Just figuring it out one step at a time. Were you going to say something? No. <laughs> I'm looking for the next question. You like that one? Just looking for a bit of help. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like that, that advice? Anyone, like anyone. Advice? Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a zinger. I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading the next yeah, questions yeah, yeah. for the next question. Hold on. I got it because there was a follow-on question that was related. Okay, next question is... This is a good question for you both because I know you both come from tech backgrounds. Lee Riri asks, is formal qualifications worth it anymore in the age of disruptive technologies? Yeah, well, you went through a traditional pathway and I, and I didn't. So we're kind of uh, opposites a little bit, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a weird mix. I think in the past you needed to get, uh, you had to have a formal qualification to be able to put your hat in the ring. And I think that that's changed now. Of like if you can build some amazing case studies and you can demonstrate maybe your experience through your portfolio of work and you've got people to back you up what you're doing and you can learn by new skills. And you mentioned YouTube before. And some still, industries, like you, like a doctor, I want my surgeon to really get his. He's been going, he's gone through school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want him to YouTube like how to, how to do open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> you know? There's a time and place. But Go in, to school, please. In, in tech specifically, like Lockie and I mentioned, like I went traditional pathway. I did an undergrad in business management and a master's in international business. And I look back now and I didn't know people to get into, like I didn't know anyone. So I felt like that was the pathway I had to do. And it opened the first door for me, which allowed me to start my career. So without actually doing that, it wouldn't have got the start in my career. But I think that I've done a lot of stuff like paying it forward, trying to help other people come through and whether they don't have the same background, but you're like, I know this person could do that job. I think it, it's, you know, like you said, it depends on the actual job. But in tech specifically, I, I don't think it's necessary. You can do a lot of short courses. There's a lot of stuff that you can upskill. But like a basic understanding is, is always helpful. What do you guys think? I had, with recruitment, I feel like I fell into that. That was my first job. Every recruiter says I fell into recruitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I haven't actually. You're right. I've never met anyone who said hey, I, I grow up and I want to be a recruiter. <laughs> but I was always interested. I remember having a recruiter experience on the other end. I thought I was applying for the job at the place, but they actually had a bunch of jobs for me, and I didn't understand that whole relationship. Of you didn't know why people didn't like you at the start. Well, that's why we. Uh, that's why we started the podcast in the first place because I was like. No one really likes recruiters sliding into their DMs all the time, annoying them. And I was like, oh, this is my first sort of foray on LinkedIn as well. So it was like, how do I show off who I am without being too pushy or, or just, you know, just... Why can't they just like me for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any problems at the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's a free beer. You like me now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but found it, found it different. I feel like, like it's finding what you're good at. Like, the, like what we've all been saying is like the soft skills. And it's like if you're an organised person and you do certain things, like that sort of lead you in that path. But for me, it was like people-focused stuff. So um, if I was ever going to get into it, it was just, I, on my 28th birthday, I actually went in for the job. So it's not like I've been doing it since I was like early 20s or I knew what I wanted to do. Things like General Assembly are great. I think there's yeah. a, they've got a bunch of things that you can learn that's like online stuff or you can do like one-day courses or there's some like three-month intensives which helps give you placements afterwards. One thing I would say if you're trying to get in somewhere, someone who's done a career change into a different space is – you like got to prepare to maybe 
cop it a little bit on you're probably going to get paid less or if you're not if you're going to be like and you have to prepare for that mm. if you're going to change career and you know that I'm going to have to maybe do a few weeks unpaid to show that I can demonstrate that I can do it before I get the trust to offer it and I might not start it the same way as just someone who's already had the experience doing it but if that's what you want to do then starting from the bottom again you might be if you're changing industry and stuff, you know. It's also really interesting at the moment and it'll probably shift over the next six months but at the time of recording we've got a really low talent supply because the unemployment rate is low right now and maybe not in tech but just generally, let's talk general labour market, what's happening. Like we are seeing more recruiters at the moment and more employers be open to career changes because the people who are applying are good at selling their transferable skills. I think that's cool for anyone like our age who's probably thinking about, oh, I think I want to do something different because employers and recruiters are more open to helping those career changes happen because they can't find good talent. So it's kind of a unique spot. Now, that might not be the case for tech because we've seen lots of redundancies and layoffs and all that stuff. But generally speaking, employers are more open, in my opinion, to transferable skills, which is really cool. Like I think we need to up the ante on how do we sell the skills that we have that might not be job specific, but they're like our people skills or our strengths that we can bring to different roles. I think if you've gone through COVID and haven't had a ch- and you've been in a job or in the same industry for a period of time and haven't had a chance to stop and reflect and think, is, is this what I really want to do? Like take that opportunity to think like I... Yeah, and it's how you communicate your value too. Like if you're if you're going to a new place, it's all about how you present yourself and how you want people to perceive you. You know, so if you're going in, I know if you're solving a problem for a company and you want to get your foot in the door and you're giving them options that hey, I've saw what you're trying to do and you can show that intent behind things. I think you're more likely to get shot. So it's like intentional shit. I think it's like being super intentional with what you want to do and showing the care and love and attention to detail because. I think it does matter. It's like even I don't like I don't like really love cover letters. It's not like people who have to apply like that. But again, like if you have to go through that pathway, you know how some people have really lackluster in their applications. Oh, I've applied for forty things and no one's got back to me. Oh, well, you didn't put any care in any of the applications. So, and when you get in the call, are back, you surprised you're like, you haven't got the call? Back? Who is this? I've applied to thirty other families this week. You know, that's, <laughs> you see that meme? It's like that's funny, isn't it? It's like who's this? So Where, where's this place going? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I've got it. I'm right for tomorrow. Can you do the interview? <laughs> Yeah. I love it. That is so good. Okay, next question. Helena, not really a question, but would like some insight about juggling a full-time role with, with potentially considering part-time or contracting consulting services on the side. What do you guys think about that? So side hustle kind of vibes. For in, in what says like, is it okay that you've got a side hustle or is it okay that your work's going to let you do a side hustle? Because they're the two things that I reckon that people come up against is we're all for side hustles. Have a crack. I think there's a lot of time in a day where you don't need to be chained to your desk for one job. If you work full time somewhere, there's still a lot of hours left in your life to have a crack and have a play with something else. But I think it's important that you are transparent with what you're doing so that you, people know the boundaries between, hey, if you're if we were running this pod, we were working for, we both had jobs at the time, we we're very conscious that we wasn't we recorded pods inside and outside hours. And if we did have something in the day, we made up for what we were doing. It's not like it's not eating into. If I know that you're eating into our time and we're paying you, and you're doing a, as well as not instead of. Yeah, it's interesting as well because I think it's not just eating into the time; it's eating into your ability to focus on your main gig. So, like from a HR perspective, if I if an employee who's full time comes to me and says, "Hey, I'm going to start my own business on the side," I'm like, great, do your thing, like go for it, pursue fun stuff outside of work. 
But when it starts to damage your performance in your main role, well, that's a conversation that needs to happen, that we need to have. Because I don't think it's reasonable to put that on your employer to go, I'm going to pursue my fun thing over here at your expense. Like you have to be able to do both things well. I found it weird uh, with recruitment and the podcast, you know, like the value changed because it was like, well, hang on, I'm we're talking to all these business leaders all the time and I felt like I wasn't getting used in the right way but it's like maybe I didn't communicate the value enough, you know, from my end. It was very early. We didn't know what it was going to be shaped into yeah. too, you yeah. know. Who could have thought what the pod would be now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just – and time and things change, you know, and it's like at the end of the day every, everyone's a bit selfish, aren't they? Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm with you, Shell. If you're, if you're starting something and spending a lot of time and it's detrimental to the overall success of your main gig that's paying you – Paying you, giving your holidays, looking after you. You're expecting them to bring your birthday cake on your birthday and that, but you don't want to turn up and do the actual work. Again, I think everything comes to it. If you do a good job, you get good players get better leeway, do they? Always, always. They do, totally. Okay, we're going to go to a quick break and when we come back, I've got two more questions for you. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audio book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This question is from Tammy. If you were a lawyer and you were looking for a shift, what are some of the industries or jobs that might fit well with similar skills or if you work in the car part industry, what would be an industry or job that might align if one was interested in the shift? Tammy, I feel like there's two questions there. I know. <laughs> I was like, that's a part two. Well, maybe there's one. I don't know. I, lawyers, I automatically think like attention to detail, mm. ability to consume. They keep time, don't they? Every second of the yeah, day. Yeah, they charge you for it too. Yeah. They click that. I'll be asking clock. long questions, long questions, talking really <laughs> slow. I'll be wanting as much context as possible from the client about <laughs> <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> Take me back. What happened before yeah. that? Though? Take me back five years. <laughs> Let's go there. We're going to need 15 sessions. <laughs> Like the a, bottom of this it's one. like a Cairo. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna be sore for years. <laughs> and you book him in advance. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> deposit. <laughs> hey, no, sorry, Tommy. Hey, respect lawyers. No, I think it's one of those. They're super detail orientated. They're very like can consume large chunks and 
go through like the, their brain has the ability to digest lots of information. I think maybe anything to do with like operations and coordination, like running things. I've, I've seen a lot of people now of one of my locals just taking the piss out of me before, but one of my best mates is a lawyer who's had this the same thoughts of doesn't really see his identity, doesn't want to feel like a lawyer, feel like he has other stuff he wants to give and he doesn't always want to be dug down in contracts and paperwork and he wants to be, how does the, well, the things that you review and look over, how does it fit in the bigger picture of those businesses they're involved in? So for him, it's like getting more out of just the little area that he was really responsible or accountable, consulted or informed or whatever in, in his pocket and taking on more responsibilities and trying new things where there are no real rules. So sometimes I feel like if you're, especially if you're running your own thing or doing things, there's not really a job description, you know? It's the Wild West and that's the best. That's what you want. That's a rhyme. That could be on a T-shirt. On the coaster, put it on the coaster, <laughs> on the stubby holders. One of the things I've been thinking about with career changes, when people ask these questions, I feel like we often think career changes and we think they need to be really dramatic, like I'm going from being a lawyer to being a physio or something really huge. But I think often it's like the smaller degree changes where it might be I'm going from being an external lawyer with, with clients to being general counsel, like an internal and that's still like kind of a career change, but it changes the nature of it. You're not probably going to be doing all those billable hours. Like you have heaps, a, a very different experience likely internally than you would as an external client-facing lawyer. When we're talking about career changes, look for the smaller things that you could do that are like iterative. Is iterative a word that should be banned because it's like jargon? <laughs> So if you wanted to start off as a wanted to start as a foot surgeon, then you work your way onto a heart surgeon, then a neurosurgeon. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> and a you pediatrician. Can have, you can have like a million dollars in your head. Yeah. <laughs> he learned that one from YouTube. <laughs> but your analogy is right in some senses. Just yeah. Well, I I remember going into recruitment again, and I felt like all the other stuff is just done this before in a different way. But it's like the technical terms of knowing what the industry is about, like you. Need to know these these certain terms to be able to communicate and talk but other than that it's like everything else you know I I did the from like consulting side to converting to a perm side and I found that experience pretty weird after being like maybe like six years in consulting side and then taking my first perm job in in I was like this is really weird you know because I'd always been in like you go to lots of different organizations and then the change up of doing the same job but just at one place. I was like, wow. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I was yeah. in the cult. Yeah, going going for lunches every day with the manager. <laughs> Sucking <laughs> up. <laughs> You're a suck up, aren't you? Listen. <laughs> you got encouragement on the last one and on this one yeah, you're it's getting... Yeah, fine. I'm used to it. It's like, this is the normal behaviour. Okay, last good. time I got... It's fake. You know, it's not his authentic self. <laughs> you know his best you. self. It's his best self. So I think when we're, when we're looking at career changes, we really do need to also test some stuff. I don't think we should just jump in. And this is where I see people make really big mistakes or they just don't take any action because they're afraid to just take the big plunge. I think you can take smaller steps. Like for me, similar to you guys when you started the pod, like I was working in internal HR full time, started the pod as a side hustle and then moved slowly into a different world, started my own business, which is kind of similar to your journey, should I say? Exactly, yeah. 
Same. So you kind of, t- you test the water with something. You go, oh, cool, this is good. This is a strength that I didn't know that I had. And I'm going to use this to see where it goes. And then... But sometimes people say jump all in. We hear that advice. You've got to go all in. Mm. If you don't do it now, then... Well, like, you're not serious. It's like, hang on. I've got a mortgage. I've got a mortgage. I've got, got kids. kids. I can't just quit and start. Yeah. Like, like, it doesn't work Actually, like that. Actually, and I think on the last episode, we were talking about going all in, but it was a different context with like being fully invested. It's different. Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> I, I think it's – careers are complicated. Yeah, yeah. You are, sorry. We've spoken to a guy named David Andrew who his whole thing is the No Nasties Project and he's like, burn your boats. And recently there, I've been seeing a lot of uh, advice out there is burn your boats. So you've got no other option but to fight your way out uh, of things. So it's a dangerous way to play the game. If you put yourself in the uncomfortable position, you'll fight, your brain will find a way out based on like fight or fly. Uh, on chemistry. That kind of makes sense though. Yeah. But terrifying. Yeah, I, just, I don't know if everyone. That's been that resonating. Life, that's been know? resonating with me personally. But I feel like it's risk tolerance for everyone, isn't it? Really, when it comes down to it. Yeah, I know. Are you both risk takers? Yes, I would say. Well, I think we have a higher measured. tolerance of measured risks, but we're way way more risky than what other people do. Yeah, so I'm really risk averse. So I think like staging decisions for me has really worked, but like. I feel like the stuff that you, the space that you're playing in is really high risk in terms of heaps of huge opportunity, potential return, but you've got to be comfortable with that. I'm, I think I'm, I lean more your way though, Shell, and I feel like some, the stress attached to doing some of the risky stuff and then living in the unknown where you're like something hasn't landed yet or you're waiting for something like to play out and you've, I don't know, in other jobs that might be like a, a day or two and you're like, oh, when's this someone getting back to us for this? It might For us it's been, it might be it's like four weeks of living in this. Is this going to land or is this going to hit? And you're like, that's crazy. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really like it but, again, it's the nature of what we're doing and it's like if we don't – I really look now and I see it as an opportunity if we go back to the – if you've listened to part one talking about taking an opportunity that's there in front of us, I feel like we're really – Locke and I are really conscious of – we're in a lucky position. We've got an opportunity to do some cool stuff and do some cool work, meet some cool people. And I think I'd look back negatively and be disappointed in myself if I didn't just have a crack and do what it's worth, even if it's hard. Totally. And Tammy, I think for you in this situation, that advice is so good. Look for the opportunities that are in front of you that maybe are just that small change and start to pursue those and see what happens from there. That's my recommendation to you. One last question, and it's on me- uh, mentors. Do you guys have mentors? Not not like officially. We've never we've never had a chat with anyone and said you're you're my will mentor. You be my mentor. <laughs> will you be my mentor? <laughs> Reminds me of school where you had like the yes and no. Like, will you go out with me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's awkward. Yeah, I was always left with no notes. <laughs> <laughs> mentors. I feel like we we say it quite a bit. I feel like the podcast is a little bit of a mentorship for us because I feel like we get to ask all the questions that we actually really want to know the answer to. So at the stage of our life, so getting like information from the best minds in the world has been crazy for us, but. And then of, quoting them as your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like <laughs> Al Bradford 2022. <laughs> <laughs> but someone like Chris Wilson who we're working with at the moment, he's been someone who we had on the pod early doors and stayed in contact with and he's helping us uh, build and shape the Dream Big Social Club. So he's someone who we've caught up with quite regularly over the years. 
I think it else. comes back to the same sort of question from the person who's starting as a sole trader. It's like building the right people around you. There doesn't have to be like a like it doesn't have to be as formal as this is a mentor mentee relationship. But like finding someone that's a bit been there, done that before, or a bit wise experience. I've had a, a bunch of people in in my career that helped shape what I do. And my, another guy, I'll give a shout, Nick Pulse, who he actually got my first job. He gave us an opportunity as someone who changing lanes from a different background. First and guest episode. He's our first epi- guest episode of the Funny Business Podcast, and. He's a friend. I, I, I definitely learned a lot from him. But he, for a long period of time, he's sort of he's looked out for a lot of those around him, and he likes to give back like that. And he lives to give. He lives oh, to Nick give. Pulse. Yeah, he lives to give. And so. what does he do now? What's Nick do? Uh, to give some context for the listeners. He is. Yeah, th- thanks. That's, that's good prompting. <laughs> that's very good prompting. Uh, he is. He runs the business agility practice. So anyone who's trying to do new ways of working, technology delivery, all the aligning goals, all the same sort of stuff that. If you want to know why I sort of do some of this stuff, that's uh, I got into it via him, and he works with some of the biggest companies in the world doing this sort of stuff, and it's it's pretty crazy that someone who still a human approach to stuff mm-hmm. in, in big pressure situations. So he's cool a cool as a dude. cucumber, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. he loves himself sick though. Yeah. Himself sick. He's got big arms. <laughs> I think it's good though. The idea of mentors that it doesn't have to be as formal as we maybe make it out to be, and it puts a lot of pressure on the mentor. If you have that expectation that uh, can you mentor me for the next 12 months, I, I think you can find those people in your world and have those moments with them that are like, hey, we have this mentoring moment. It's like for us, podcast is that. But find your version of that. Take someone out for coffee. Use that as a moment to pick someone's brain on and get their advice. I think people love giving advice too. Like if, if you feel like you've got some information to give, Getting asked out for lunch for someone to pick your brain. You love that. Deep down you like it because you want to give the right information. You're just hoping to be asked out for lunch. <laughs> huh? I'm looking for a free lunch. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for paid mentorship. So um, if anyone needs some support, contact me. Take me out to lunch. 2000 bucks an hour. That's what he charges. A little bit more than that. A little bit more than that. Nice. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Final unsolicited career advice? I think... I don't know. I think everything's hard. I, we had uh, Corey Homicide Williams on. That's one episode that sticks out to me. And he just said, everything's hard. Every, everyone's got their own version of hard. So it's like, remember to just be nice because people are fighting their own battles, you know? I like that. Mine would be like, hopefully one day no one has to work. You know, like <laughs> we do all these careers talk, we talk about it all the time. We listen to everyone's stories now. I, I just wish we didn't have to work. No one would. Would you be into like living wage? I don't know. I don't know. All the scenarios doesn't matter. Past that. Haven't thought past that. I just like to sit on the beach all day and surf and eat nice food. No, you would need some purpose. I reckon you would struggle. Yeah, you would struggle. As long as people still making TV shows, I can still consume. (laughs) Six hours a day of TV, and that's your job. You could be a film critic. All right. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out. So good to be hanging out in person, in real life, best ever. And if you enjoy the show. Give us a five-star rating or review. And you can find Rob and Locke on LinkedIn. We'll put the links in the show notes because we do show notes here, this podcast. You're all over it. We're learning. We're learning as <laughs> we, we write descriptions. Yeah. Uh, we write descriptions. <laughs> Chat GPT. Chat GPT writes the descriptions. Love it. Perfect. All right. Thanks for hanging out. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, 
My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.